Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, oh, the fire just keeps getting stronger. It's necessary in these chilly winter months because we're on fire. And I have some more amazing and brilliant friends for you. Welcome, new friend to the show, Jeff Leach, comedian from East End of London to New York to LA. He's also worked as an international DJ and producer, theatrical actor with institutions as globally recognized as the Royal Shakespeare Company. He's a long list of credits, but some of them are... He's worked on major networks like ITV, Channel 4, ABC, Virgin Media, and Current TV. He's hosted and appeared on Big Brother's Big Mouth, Comic Relief's Naughty Bits, Fake Reaction, and NBC Sports. Check out his new comedy on YouTube. Jeff Leach presents a comedy spectacular with over 205,418 views. It was just released October 23rd. Jeff Leach's Comedy Spectacular. Also, welcome back, my young star, Noye Brown-West. Noye is a New York-based Nigerian-American comedian and writer. She has been featured in Boston Globe's Rise column as a comic to watch, and we agree, as well as in NPR, PBS, ABC, Sway in the Morning, and the New York Comedy Festival. Noye made her acting debut in The Sympathy Card, now available for streaming on Vudu, Apple, Amazon, and Google Play. You can hear us on Google Podcasts Now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, especially Stacy. TV. Thank you for always being there. You have the option to watch our recordings live. Go to Patreon backslash friends like us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies. It is hoodie season. Coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. Saturdays on my YouTube channel, I go live with my wacky friend, Dave Juskow, and we give updates to the show. We shout out fans who leave reviews, and we have surprise guest friends for the podcast. Stop by. Sometimes we offer free stuff, like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Be nice. And Black Lives Matter. I've got two good friends. They're both comedians. I've got my young star, Noye Brown West, because she's gonna go far. And I've got a new friend to the show. He's our man for the month, and he's also our white for the month. (laughs) (laughs) And he's really white because he hails from UK. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you. (laughs) An intro song. What an intro song. The most colonial of all the whites is here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Call me Red yeah. Coat Randy. We're ready. Let's do this. 
I am so excited to have you, Jeff. I've never had you on the podcast. And it was because, so Noye, just so you know, because I saw Jeff the weekend before at the Comedy Cellar, and I hadn't seen you in a long time. I haven't and- been there in a long time. I've been back in LA, so, you know, doing work and working on this this comedy project. So, uh, yeah, that was my first time that I actually got to come back and do some shows and remember that I'm a stand-up comic and you can actually earn money doing it and have fun doing it five times a night, you know. Like all yeah. great things, right? Sex, comedy, and your taxes. <laughs> Give me five lots. That's what I'm into. So you're, you're in L.A. now? I'm back in L.A., yeah. yeah you back? Yeah. yeah. Although I'm also in New York right now, technically. <laughs> in mentally. Well, digitally, yeah. I'm on, digitally. Uh, we, just, we just launched the um, billboard in Times Square, so, you know, number one Times Square. That's right. Big, long one. So that goes live today, so I just got sent videos of it. So if you're in Times Square, watch this. Go to Times Square and look up. Yeah. Can you tell me about this? So, okay, so just for our listeners to know, mm. you have a new YouTube special, right? It's, it is new. Yeah, it's my debut special. It's not a special, actually. It's a, a spectacular, a comedy spectacular. A, I did notice that. <laughs> yeah, because it's not, it's not a comedy special. Comedy specials are, what, 45 to 50 minutes of stand-up material, a little tiny intro at the top and a little bit at the end, and, you know, formulaic in most of the sense. Um, what made you make it like a spectacular? What was why? What was the choice? You know me, Marina. Why I would do. I ever follow the usual routes to success that everyone has tried and tested a million times? You know what I mean? And make my life easy. I was like, no, I'm going to showcase um, all my talents, including. Don't get me wrong. Forty minutes of my spectacular is stand up material, but there's 25 minutes written. There's 15 minutes crowd work, all improvised. There's a an animation where I voice four characters. There's a rap music video. Highly produced by a couple of great producers that I know, Nino and uh, Baby Winch. An amazing music video by Nitro Cats. There's a, a dance track at the end. You'd love that. The house track called Bitch oh, Remade I, It. I, did, I, I got all the way to the the rap video. I have to check out. I that was where you the know, went, two, he's too too white. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to watch a white man rap. He's not making that from us. House. <laughs> I got to check out that house track. <laughs> Dr. Rumor started calling you up. Are you watching this white man rap? And you were like, sorry, Dr. Rue. I thought it was excellent. Dr. Rue. I think you're spe- it, is, it is spectacular. And I thought it was ingenious in the way that you start with like a sit down of sort of like therapy because that's what, com- com- you know, people are thinking about comedians right now. It's a conversation now. Like- between me and my own ego. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and it runs throughout. And there's a few other characters that feature later on just after the rap video. Actually, it's quite, you should have a look, a look at them. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, I think uh, any artist that watches it can hopefully empathize and relate with the concept of being in a creative rut. Life maybe is throwing a few, you know, curveballs at you. For me, it was my best friend killing himself and then my dad dying from his alcoholism three weeks later. So that screwed me up for about six months. And then for anyone else who's lost anyone during COVID or had to go through any kind of pain of loss and then still wanting to live and do their own things, not quite knowing how you can do that when something's so magnanimous that affects every sort of aspect of your personality and your your heart happens, like the death of a loved one, um, then they can relate to this, I hope. But yeah, it's transparent. You know, that's indicative of my sort of sobriety, really, when I gave up booze and drugs i was like right i need to be transparent in all things that i do 
And um, yeah, I hope that comes across in it. And it's funny. There is laughter. (laughs) You will laugh. No, it is funny. And it is high energy (laughs) right off the bat when it jumps into the comedy. That's the first thing I noticed. I was like, oh, my God, look, he's he's off and running. And it's at the Comedy Cellar. You do something that I think is very ingenious, which is you're showing all of your talents. Yeah. I mean, it's a calling card as well. Remember, I, I got rid of my my agent and my manager just before COVID. I, I, they, yeah. Some things had happened that had made me not really trust their, their intentions or how much work they were doing for me. So I, I'd rather be with no one than someone who's holding me back. Mm-hmm. Got rid of them both. Um, Love to my voiceover agents. They're incredible. I've kept them. They're, they've done an amazing job for me. Um, but yeah, it just it got to the end of COVID. I was like, oh, I'm going to put this project out. And really, I want to showcase all the talents I have because I think rather than just emailing some agencies and saying, hey, uh, I do this, that, and the other, they don't care. They're not going to look at it. But if you've got 100,000 or 500,000 or a million views on your special that you, self, you self-released, produced, directed, writ, wrote, uh, performed, you know, and it showcases all those talents. There's a chance someone decent will see that and go, I want to work with this guy. I can see that he's, if he did all this on his own, imagine what he could do, you know, with someone else's money. <laughs> that, <laughs> and, it, and it's such a good point you've brought up. You've just given me some ideas. I don't know about you, Noye, but yeah. when you're hearing this, what are you thinking? No, I'm thinking uh, that you're right. You got to work with people that want to put you out there. And you gotta start. So I've started now showing my artwork again on stage, and like I rap, I have some raps too. I don't do them when I uh, feature for Marina. It's not her vibe, but <laughs> you could. I didn't. Know. I could. Are you gonna try and get a little bit of fire in the booth? Or not? We're not. We're not going head to head on this one. No. Oh, see, there we go. There we go. I, I mean, you, you can do freestyles. You want to do freestyles, right? Oh my god, yeah. Let's get a beat bumping. Let's do it. I did I'm the freestyle up top. Did, well, I mean, something oh, you did. The top. It was beautiful. It was a wonderful musical offering. I don't know if it's going to heal the well, but I'm going to ask one of those your voice. horrible. I, I want to start with a horrible, awful comedy question that we hate to get when we start. You know, I, I figure this would be good for comics. Like, these are annoying questions that we get often in interviews. That, But maybe it doesn't annoy you, but I'll, I'll ask you both this. I'll ask you first, Jeff. Like, were you a class clown in school? Oh, goodness. Yeah, I was. I was. <laughs> I think um, certainly a lot of comics, probably for the same reasons uh, I realized didn't have much love in my life in certain ways. It was always um, uh, love given under the proviso that I get 100% in all my examinations and whatever. It was quite a hard, you know, stressful kind of environment for kids to grow up in. So when I got to school, I realized, well, people love me when I'm making them laugh. So that was always, yeah, my go-to. Also, I think I'm just ADD. I hated sitting still in class and listening. I didn't want to learn about long division. I wanted people to listen to me tell stories. And the only class I really thrived in was acting or English literature because, you know, these were things I was passionate about. What about you, Nonya? Oh, yeah. No, I was a class clown. I was also the, uh, you know, I didn't try as hard as my sisters. Uh, They were, you know, they were were brilliant. Straight A's. I was the youngest girl. Right, right. She's Nigerian, so, you know, they they don't play. Yeah, yeah, No, they don't play. My mama said now, though, she's like, I think you were just bored. I think you were, like, too smart for all the classes, which is great to hear now. But <laughs> <Time> <laughs> she, is, feel, yeah. 
She should have told me that when I was younger. Maybe things would have changed, but that's fine. What would have changed <laughs> for you? What that acceptance? Uh, I think. I think I would have wouldn't have gotten so down on myself. She's like, I would be, I'd be a lawyer now, <laughs> not yeah. a comedian. <laughs> Honestly, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But, but you, you couldn't. What stimulating self belief was this? Was yeah, I feel like I I struggled a lot with self belief when I was younger, and it wasn't until you know the the passing of my dad that's when I started doing stand up, mm-hmm. and um, oh, wow. that's because that was like the biggest fear I had. It was like one of my, fa- you know, one of my close family members dying and I was very close with my dad. And I, that whole next year, I was just living with like no fear at all, getting up on stages and then just stuck. I'm doing friends like us, actually. I remember. I, yeah. It was very I, fresh then. When yeah. you, we would go into studio and you were telling me that. I, you're reminding me of... You see, I've been talking about this, about why this is so important to keep this podcast going. There's so many relationships and stories that I've heard from the comedians that have done the podcast that over the years, I didn't know I was even there for. And you're just reminding me of that one. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You were there for that. I met you very shortly after that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so. glad that gave you that was uh, acted like a catalyst to push you out of your comfort zone and just go, listen, life's too short. Yep. Seeing that with my dad, it's time for me to get up on stage and make that happen. That's beautiful. That's a great, a great reason to start stand up. I just did it to fill the void in my soul. <laughs> Yours is more Sorry. beautiful. So is that such an awful question? You see, look how it opened everything up. I guess this is a great question, Marina. You got, can't question yourself. I, I, come on, I, we need. To- <laughs> Yeah, we got to question ourselves. Oh, can't question. As the only white man in the room, it's my job to build up (laughs) two beautiful black queens. Well, you know, the thing that stood out to me the weekend I saw you at the cellar also was that we were in a conversation. I won't say with who. I was talking about like the the state of the world and Mm. where it is, and you said something that just stayed with me because their answer was like, "Oh, you know, the world has changed. It's always going to go through changes. We've always gone through bad times, and even back in history, we always come out of it. It's it's Mm. just the Mm. same thing that's always been." And I was like, "Oh, that's one way of looking at it." And you point, you said this. Well, you could say it again. What did you say to me? (laughs) You're the one telling the story. I don't know. Okay. Well, you said his point of view. Well, he was white. Mm. Is as a white man in the world, that's how he's looking at oh, it. But I yes. understand I made the that, point she- that his privileges as a white man in this world have afforded him the opportunity to go through life through a lens of ah, it will all be okay in the end. Um, which, first of all, I don't think to be true. I think that's a fallacy that white people think they're they're living under. You know, the concept that we're above racially above other people is what keeps people voting for certain people. It's what keeps white people pretending like their lives are that much better. When really we're more similar than we are different in it always, uh, outside of the simple biological fact that we are all the fucking same, but not treated the same. I understand that. And I said to him, like, you know, you're you're looking at you've gone through life with a, the the lens of a white man. So of course, yeah, even when things are bad, you go, nah, but I know I'm gonna be okay at the far end of it. Whereas I think for people of color, and this has obviously become more important to me over the last few years, because I I was in a relationship with a woman of uh, you know, a woman um of color over the last Five, relate, uh, five years and yeah I, ha- I had to change my lens I had to completely shift the way I saw the world because I realized oh it's it's not how the world really is it's just what I'm, I've been told it is and that I'll always be okay 
Whereas a woman of color, when you go through life, you've already experienced potentially, if not 100%, so many moments that have made you think there is nothing for me. There is no possibility for me in this world, really. I'm constantly told that. Why would you yeah. think that anything good is going to come of conflict in the Middle East, for instance? Or why would you think that it's going to work out okay? Because that's not, that's not what life has taught you thus far, you know? So he, he was coming from a very privileged point of view, but I also understand what he was talking about in terms of uh, um, cyclical events. Like every 20 years, over, over four cycles, we repeat history, and we have done for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah, and it this just, will become it's, a Joe Rogan podcast if I go down that route. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was this question on Twitter recently that was just so funny to me because you could tell it was like posed by someone who is definitely privileged. They said, "What event in history, or what event in your life?" They said, "Radicalized you," and it's like for for black women, it's like ours came within the first six eight years of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, like maybe even four, like when I was four, because I remember the Rodney King stuff. Like it's our whole lives. We had we had generational as well. Mm -hmm. I think I think oh. that a lot of um, uh, you know, a couple of my um black friends have taken mushrooms, taken psilocybin, gone on a on a on a trip, a personal trip, and literally uh, felt and heard and spoken to the pain of their ancestors during those trips. Oh. That didn't happen to me. I didn't didn't have. I I saw ancestors. I saw a lot of ancestors, and they weren't all white either, which was interesting. But I mean, it's also probably factually accurate as well, scientifically. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was interesting that both of them had uh, had expressed the experience of hearing the cries of pain of ancestors, but also feeling okay once they'd taken psilocybin, actually connecting with those ancestors. And sort of, you know, being given strength from them, but yeah, I think it's gen. I think it goes beyond just your personal experience. Your body carries around traumas from uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Hundreds yeah. yes, of years. My my parents are from the part of Nigeria that would have been Biafra, so it's like it's not even hundreds of years back. Yeah, no, For me, it's, recent no. as hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> recent. Stuff well, I'm just saying there's a I'm, pattern of yeah. that trauma throughout multiple generations quite frequently for people of color not yeah. every single one of course we're making generalizations but i mean for most people yeah i think well interesting note of, of a corporate gig that i did recently in boston for um silent spring which they track cancer um uh, things that we use products that we use for cancer like and there are apps that you can check your ingredients to make sure they don't cause cancer right and their oh, like study that. shows, and they're all women, mostly, mm -hmm. and scientists. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And so one of the things that I learned from one of the, uh, um, her name is Julia. I'm forgetting her last name. Right? Julia Boyd, I think. I'm forgetting it right now. But one of the things that she mentioned is that the products that your grandmother uses genetically can affect you today. Mm -hmm. So... The products, like if your grandmother used like over bleach or whatever it is, genetically can still affect your body. And that blew my mind. I had no, you, you're shaking your head, Noe. You knew this? My sister is an environmental scientist who helped develop apps like that. And she has written lots of policy uh, for the United States, like regarding chemicals that are harmful to the body. So yeah, I, and you remember my health problems. Yes. Yeah. A lot of those were 
I got genetic testing. A lot of those were not genetic. They were from outside causes, so chemicals. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I knew, I did know that just because of my sister. Shout out to Boma Brown West. <laughs> Thank God I'm not having yeah. no children. Um, so that... <laughs> just drop that is that for potential dates you just like listen thank god i'm just only down for the hot sex and no <laughs> this is what keeping i our say dispensable income well, that's 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 on my dating profile yes <laughs> <laughs> don't want babies we'll i do want to go back to this billboard that you have in times square how did you do that you listen sometimes it's not what you know it's uh whose dick you suck and i oh. think that <laughs> I was going to ask. It felt like that was what happened. No, so. I don't mind telling you what happened. I, um, I'm i doing this thing, this whole project on my own. Like when I say I, I produced, directed, wrote, performed it, I'm literally all of those jobs. But also I sat in every single editing session for video, every single editing session for the music video, every single audio session. Don't you dare growl at nothing. My dog is on the floor here. Sorry, growling. Away. Um, and, uh, and it was important to me to be involved in every single facet of it. No one else is going to do it. Do you know what I mean? So when it came to promoting it, I knew that I don't have a platform behind me. Like even most of the podcasts, you know, the the uh, the upper echelons of podcasts are like, where's he releasing it? YouTube. Oh, you know what I mean? They're not like. Uh, do they do that? Yeah, yeah. They go. Uh, yeah. I don't but know. YouTube is huge. Samarell. Everyone has gotten huge yeah, off I know, of YouTube. But you know what? They had to wait until those. First of all, those the names, even Samarell you mentioned there, or Martin Ormond, or any of these guys who self-released, Saint Gillis. They've been in this country for decades, working and know people, and didn't move to LA five years ago after meeting everyone in comedy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a bunch of reasons. So I knew that I wasn't going to have that support. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to put money in. I, I made some really good investments a couple of years ago. I managed to build myself now some, hopefully, what will become generational wealth uh, instead of worrying about how I'm going to pay my paycheck every, you know, my rent check every month. And I was like, all right, I'm going to invest in myself. There's a rapper I like. We're talking about rap. La Russell. I don't know if you guys know this young man, La Russell. Oh, oh Russ? La, no, not Russ. Oh, okay. Because he, <laughs> he's, he built himself from the ground up, too. I was just, I was just checking. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that without checking in the background. He looks like a rich kid, but I mean, he acts like a rich kid as well. I think people who build themselves up from nothing and not that, not that arrogant. Anyway, I'm not trying to start some internet rap beef with fucking Russ. Yeah, just cut that out of the. Nah, leave it in. It's right. He needs to know he's an arrogant prick. But I mean, if even <laughs> I don't even know. If he wasn't. He's a he's a rapper. He's about. very successful. He doesn't care okay. what Jeff Leach thinks. That's for certain. <laughs> Now, La Russell is this young man, and he's unbelievable. He's like a very talented rapper for friends uh, for, for, to start. Like his music, his lyricism is incredible. But he raps about real shit. He's not. He's not posturing as anything. He's not. He used to throw shows. He still does like monthly shows in his backyards that his mom and not a grand like opened up the backyards for his friends to come over and that built and built and built. And now people pay what they want to go to it. And people can pay like 10 bucks for a ticket, but then afterwards they're tipping like 500. Like this was worth so much more. All that money goes into his businesses. He started a, a local community project uh, that, that, that feeds the local community. This man is like, he's doing exactly what I want to do. He's making his own art on his own terms with his own fan base. He's self-generating funds, but also self-promoting and self-releasing. And he's using that to build an ecosystem of a community that can actually start to help itself in other ways as well. Amazing. And he's in his like late 20s, early 30s. You know, he's like a young dude. He's, he's very bright, very brilliant. So mm. La Russell is weirdly one of the people that I've sort of looked to. I was like, you know what? 
he's right. He has this line in one of his songs, GT Coop. You should listen to it. And he basically says, you know, um, uh, book, book myself a show, had to put five uh, grand in at the door, uh, or, uh, you know, and I, I was out 1500s. Um, uh, that's how it goes, you know. Uh, you mm. know, uh, felt I let them down, you know, it's let down the crew, let down the who, like, I'm a boss, that's how it goes, you know, like, and that, that's so, those lyrics really mean something to me in the sense that you do have to invest in yourself. If you really think you're making some good art, put money into it, put yourself behind it. Ask all your friends to help you out. Message your buddies and say, I need to come on podcasts. I need to promote this thing, you know? Um, and if that means also reaching out to every friend you've ever had in advertising marketing, like I did, unsurprisingly, there's going to be some people there that I helped out over the years. And one was this gentleman who we, we you know, he'd, I'd done some stuff for him when he needed someone to be there. I was there for him. And nothing. It sounds like I buried a body. Just, I was just there emotionally to support him. And he works for a big advertising company and was like, are you going to get a billboard in Times Square for your special? I've watched it. It's amazing. I was like, that's very sweet of you. Thank you. No, I'm not. They're about $150,000. And he was like, let me make a few phone calls. So he made a few phone calls and I have this billboard now for a week for, what? you know, like less than a tenth of what it should have cost. That's karma. Incredible. That's karma. You go help people, they'll help you. You know, you be there for people, they'll be there for you. And also, I don't know, I've done too many mushrooms now. Like, I'm at a point where I've had enough ego deaths to even question whether entertainment industry is an industry anyone should be in. It's insidious and awful and ego driven. Yes. That's most industries. Insecure. (laughs) Correct. Now, that's where the next bit comes is I said that to someone recently who's in (laughs) finance and that he went, that's every industry. It's every person in the world. It's just the entertainment. Everyone knows about it and revels about it and celebrates it. It's like it's almost like part and parcel of the characteristics. But I, I just had to teach my little brother how um even like things like social work and nonprofit industries are are full with pe- of people like that that are yeah very selfish oh and for themselves. Not really. Re- yep. We've all done not really work, right? anybody. Yeah. So, you so met, you've met people with that place who absolutely are doing it because they just want me to say, by the way, I'm the ambassador of the chat. I'm, I'm one of the, I'm in charge. I, I, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know if you know, but I worked with the army. There's a scientific name for that too. It's uh, called social balance. So people who do lots of nice things during the day for their job, like doctors, people who work in nonprofits tend to be absolutely hor- horrible pieces of shit during the rest of the day. And it's because they they feel like they're giving so much throughout the day that they don't need to be nice the rest of the day. So that oh. trickles down where they're mean to their employees and their coworkers. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. You, yeah. Do you want to tell that to my uncle Buzz next stock? Class? <laughs> no, I love him. Uncle Buzz is okay. perfect. <laughs> yeah, we do. Just so you know, Jeff, we, we do. Noye goes to my every, I, I talked to you a little bit about stocks. I, we don't do day trading, but every two months now we used to do it every Sunday, but yeah. we go on zoom and my uncle's very good at trading. I mean, he's teaching you investing stuff. and he's teaching us. Good. Good. We're so more we're people need to teach each other. That's the that's the only joy I see out of TikTok as an app is amongst all that misinformation. There's at least certain things being taught to certainly a younger generation: how to manage money better, you know, how to you know really where you can make money so you can work yourself out of some poverty. That's um, a, actually this is a good question for you with everything you're doing and investing in yourself and. Mm self-promotion and and how do you balance writing jokes with all of that because i am starting to 
like understand the algorithms more, the mm. math of it. But I feel like my stand-up suffers. Mm. How do you balance that or manage it? Me? <laughs> yes, yes, Jeff. Okay. Sorry, I feel like I'm hogging the the the. the no, it's so. Noye is here all the time. Yeah, I'm a co-host. Okay. And she here. comes in. You see, she she'll ask you a question. Yes, She's absolutely. Good. No, okay. Um, uh, I um, I don't. I I accept that there's going to be periods where I don't write jokes for a period of time, and I just I'm okay, okay with that. I like. Here, here's the bottom line. I don't think I'm going to be on my deathbed. This is what I realized. Mushrooms is good for this. I'm never going to be on my deathbed going, oh, I'm so glad I got that extra special out. Oh, I'm so glad I got a million views on my thing. I'm so glad I acted in that show with that really talented director. And I'm really glad. I'm never going to think any of those things. I'm going to be like, God, remember my first dog, Nixie? That was the best Aww. 15 years to 20 years of my life like going for hikes with her. Remember the first time I got to see my future baby open their eyes? For the first time, you know what I mean. Remember that that moment where me and my whoever ends up being my life partner when we when we shared our first romantic kiss. Whatever the hell it is, like these are those are the things I'm going to think about. So I'll be honest. When I say I'm at odds with my own industry at a time when I'm probably succeeding in it more than I have in, in many many years, I I really don't know what the purpose of it is. You can tell stories and make people laugh and and act in plays and write things and. Uh, you know, do poetry. You can do that anytime you like, anywhere, for anyone. You can go down to Washington Square Park in New York and just do a play every day for free for people and entertain people and tell a story. The concept of you're only successful in creating art if it has mainstream success is what has bastardized most art into just content, yes. which is why I say that in my special at the end. I'm like, you know, I I, I want to make more art instead of content. I want to Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, we were just talking about that before you came on. We had this whole conversation about that. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and we see it. I mean, look, we see it in comedy. What we all doing, we need clips out every day, right? And what are our clips? Well, we don't want to burn material, so we're all posting crowd work clips. It's just a sea of crowd work now, 50 seconds of crowd work. That's what I see from all comics. And I've been guilty of doing the same thing for the longest time. Yeah, and, and I get it because we're trying to keep ahead of an industry, an algorithm, a platform. But what I'm saying is like, if you can make the best art, if you really just focus on making the best pieces of art and however long it takes to make that, like my special, my spectacular took 18 months. It should have been eight. The deaths screwed me up. I needed to do a lot of therapy. I really wanted to work on some stuff. I had to not want to kill myself for a start. That was a big part of it. But <laughs> what came through that work and through those mushroom trips is now I'm free of depression for nine months for the first time in three decades. I realize I'm not ruled by that, and it's not something I can choose to not be depressed. I can just go, yeah, life is hard at the moment, but it's not against me. It's not personal. But unfortunately, I've also gone, I don't think entertainment is healing for the soul in the slightest. It used to be because it used to be about the art. It used to be about the sound of the song or the voice, the sound of the instruments. It used to be about the story being told. It used to be about people gathering around a fire and sharing a hot drink and like telling a fucking story that engages people and or teaches them something. And now it's like, well, I gotta make sure I get the right agent so I can get the showcase for J Fell so I can get on the Comedy Central 15 minutes, so I can do the half hour for Netflix, so I can get the one hour, so I can maybe go on tour with Dave Chappelle as an opening act, so then I can possibly get enough followers to go and sell out some theaters to fuck it. Oh, it's tiring. Isn't that tiring? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tiring. Fuck that shit. 
Make some money. Learn, get some fiscal responsibility. If you don't know how to make money, if you don't know how to save money, go and ask someone who's richer than you. How the fuck do I make money? And that's listen. why we talked to That's my uncle. Listen yep. to them. Be transparent. Of course, he's always telling us to invest in... St- I don't know, the last class we went to, Noye, I don't know if you went and looked at the one he told us. I did. What was it? If NVIDIA? You had to... No, no, no. NVIDIA... NVIDIA did jump up. Like, it went up. No, 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 no. This... Listen. <laughs> NVIDIA has been a... a, a a thorn, one of those things, a thorn in my side because yeah. I had it at $98 and I, I let it go. Always yeah. hold. You was, never sell it then. Come on. Listen, but he always tells us to invest in these. He's like, here's where you want to put your money. And then I go, Uncle Buzz. Now, you have money. We don't. So mm. I'll look at it afterwards and it says you have to have over a million dollars to invest guess, in this. Yeah. And he's like, well... <laughs> He's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. Get rich, bitch. Like, you, you came to me for advice. I know. That's, that's basically you know, it. You know what I've learned? My um, So my my siblings are, you know, well, you know, pretty well off for themselves. My little brother is getting to that point now. And something I learned just from trying to talk to him about investing is that rich people put their investments in the hands of other people. So they don't always know what to tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uncle, your uncle is special though because you know he really is hands on about what's going on. Even though he doesn't really have to be, he doesn't have to be if he doesn't want. You'd afford to, to pay yeah. someone to do those trades for. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I, just, I do. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about how challenging it is to be from the UK, and did you have to change your comedy for an American audience and? Or was there a challenge? Or do you do mention in your act how people right off the bat about how you know we perceive you mm. as a British? I'd say British, but as you a can just say as a gay man, people think I'm gay in America because I'm British. Which is funny because I never material. knew that. I used to think my ex boyfriend, you know, I dated a British guy. Mm. I thought he was gay for the longest time, and and then Gina Yashere was like, "Oh no, that's because he's British." Yeah. And I was like, oh, is that a thing? And, and she was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, You know, oh. we kiss the homies gently on the neck. It's just it's something. Yeah. So how challenging <laughs> Every time is the it? queen gives her speech at Christmas each year, whatever men are in the room have to kiss each other on the lips for three seconds. It's a rule in England. <laughs> so it should be, you know? <laughs> World peace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bisexual, so I'm like, everybody should be kissing oh, everybody. There you go. You're greedy. That's what you are. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I do think that there's a, like a little au fait nature about European men that the Americans have always called, you know, uh, homosexual or soft. Or I just got called soft actually by an American. <laughs> got called soft by a guy. Anyway. It's interesting that almost to be in touch with our emotions, to be in touch with our feelings is considered soft, you know? And there are, like, very hard British men. Um, They're just idiots. They're like the kind of guys that you would see at a football game beating the shit out of each other, you know? And guess what they are? Traumatized, sensitive little boys who probably grew up in a violent household who are just repeating the cycle that they experience themselves. So they're not strong. It's like, that's what I'm realizing. Um, But I do think since day dot, since I got to America, people always treated me as I was a bit soft. So I had to deal with that off the rip. Also, I was trying to get laid when I first got to America. Do you know what I mean? So I had to be I like, do remember this. think I'm gay. But I will prove <laughs> with my penis and mouth later on, if you care to take me up on the offer, that I'm most definitely not laid. Um, anyway. This is, 
This is fascinating to me. I love British comedy. Yeah. And one of my favorite uh, white British comics is Tom Allen, who is very gay. Oh, Tom, <laughs> Allen, Tom Allen. Yeah, we used to do a lot of shows yeah. together. He's fantastic. He's great. He's a very, very kind man, very brilliant, talented guy as well. Yeah. Yeah. But also but, characters. They like characters in America. They want us to, if you're British, you can be British, but just be a character. Be Jimmy Carr. <laughs> you know what I mean? Be like, or be Russell. Russell Brand, I'm fucking blah, blah, blah. They want... I, I, I've played it all wrong in this country from t- the moment I arrived until today. And I've realized that that's okay. That's who I am. And I'm happy with that and comfortable in that now. But if I really wanted to thrive, when I arrived, I would have worn little suits and I would have been all like, you know, oh, look at me. I'm British and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a little bit, I'll play up the fact that I'm a little bit fay. And I, I'd make myself more effeminate because I know you'll laugh harder as American audiences. I didn't do that. I wanted to be like, hey, I'm soft and I'll talk about my feelings. But also, if you fucking touch me, I'll crack your skull. Like, I'm not like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's that balance, which is, I think, a more honest human personality than I am this or I am that. No one is this and that. It's no, there's no black and white like that. We are shades of gray. Um, so, yeah, I changed my comedy, I guess. The big thing, and this is the biggest thing I think about American versus British comedy. American comedy, you need a joke or a tag every 15 to 20 seconds. If you're not getting a laugh every 20 seconds through your gags, put some more in. Um, British people will tell a five to 10 minute story with a punchline. I've noticed that too. So a lot of my favorite British comics, I know of them through their acting or through panel shows. And then I'll go to watch, um, their up, like, you know, the Judy loves the people like that. And it's like a lot of stories, right? just way more than I'm used to. Just, and which is fine. Tell a story, but yeah. at least put a couple of act outs in it, add a couple of tags, Give us something to, you know, a funny movement, anything, just over the course of that three minutes. But, I mean, so I had to learn to sort of <laughs> take my long stories and add gags to them or punch them up or add tags, you know. So I feel now I'm a kind of a balance of the two schools. Of I always felt like I do better. What, the first time I went and I did BBC, uh, BBC television or mm-hmm. for years ago. You remember what the show was? or what, uh, was, it- was it the Apollo one? No. Um, was it a panel show it was a comedy central bbc world stands up okay i remember that yeah i remember that and i remember the booker i i I don't know where he is but he used to book me for a lot of stuff but he like i i'll just remember the audience had a more of an appreciation for my act than i was used to yeah and i remember these women they were almost in tears they're like you're so lovely you're also i was like i love it I am. They were like, you're so lovely. And then I had um, black women say to me, they loved my accent. And I was like, I have never had a black woman say to me that they liked my accent. That was like, that blew my mind because as a child, I always was like, I don't talk white. You know, I'm just, I grew up in a white neighborhood and, and I would always like fight it. And I would always try to like talk in a certain way to get people to like me so that I would change it and I would be overdo it. And it was, well, you would over white yourself. You would, try I would over black myself. Oh, sometimes. I see. Okay. Okay. I see. So when I went to a black neighborhood, I would be like, y'all, I, you know, and oh. that even to this day, Keith Robinson will always yell at me. Your black voice annoys me. It bugs me. Yeah, but that's so, Keith can barely speak now anyway. So it's all right. This is why I do characters or i can impersonate people is because i used to always have to change it but to go to the uk to do that show for the bbc mm. to have them give me that compliment almost made me cry 
because it was just so like transformative. Um, so I do want to let's let's go into some of these uh, topics before we yeah. Uh, put on my sheet. They will have a go sheet, back yeah. to some of the other questions I have for you. But I think these topics are really good because Harry, while we're talking about the UK, Harry and Meghan's biographer slams unpopular King Charles and power hungry William in his new book. Uh, Omid Scobie How many co-wrote people? the 2020 bestseller Finding Freedom, Harry and Meghan's biography has begun promoting his book called Endgame, Inside the Royal Family and the Monarchy's Fight for Survival, which he promises will be explosive in the blurb. And the book describes online selling platforms as its penetrating investigation into the current state of the British monarchy, an unpopular king. So what do you think about the British monarchy? Are you done with it? Like, what do you think Americans are got wrong about it? <laughs> well, there's the, there's three questions there. What do I think of the British I know, monarchy? I don't lot. know. It's an antiqu- antiquated uh, um, ruling class that mean, makes no sense, but it makes perfect sense when you understand why the the world, not that that country, but the world is run the way it is by who it is. You know. Yes. Yeah. The royalty in the UK is deeply tied to a lot of the biggest corporations and Masonic orders in the world, and they follow those patterns and. So they will always be an example. Nice on half yeah. the world. Yeah, listen, look, they're all there. The old Russian mafia mob are there, you know, the Tsarist mob. The, the, the Nazis are still absolutely in activity, uh, quite literally as well, in, in, in a more ground roots um, level as well. And, um, yeah, and the old colonials, you know, the old Roman emperors and whatnot and descendants of those, those setups. So I think they're antiquated. I think their ruling class doesn't give a shit about us, and I think that it's a waste of our money and time. But... You know, if you're British, it's a pride thing. It's a national pride. I think it's as stupid as, like, caring that much about the monarchy is as stupid as caring that much about your president, which everyone thinks they get to choose. <laughs> you know? right. but, we don't. <laughs> yeah, nah, it really is, really, it's, 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 it's so, it's so, it's puppet theatre. So they're just, um, you know, quite serious um, heads of state of, you know, one of the more upper echelons of that puppet theater that we all are slaves to. Um, now, the concept that why people are so desperate to get as much airtime out of... Ma- Ma- Who cares? I don't care about Harry and Meghan. I care uh, that she was treated pr- with a lot of disdain because she was uh, had black heritage. Like, that was obvious. I care that they were both ostracized. That's not a nice way to be treated. And, you know, if they want to go off and do their own thing, let them do it. Why does it need to be... But this is it. They, they're privy to secrets and of that organization. That's really what it is. It's the same as Epstein. Like if they if they didn't if they weren't related, they'd already be dead. Well, I mean, ooh. come on. Look at Princess Diana. No longer a relation of the family. Whoop, see ya. You know, Jeffrey Epstein, which half of the royal family has visited his little you know underage fuck island. Whoop, he's gone. Like it's it's this is this is how it goes. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a waste of our energy and time. I don't think there should be any royals anyway. What are they famous for? Going on Oprah? But they're awful. All of them are awful across the board. They're famous for being imperialists all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> and being the reason most world economies are failing because they want it that way so they can send their corporations in there to make money. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that is it. I mean, that's it. We're not, we're not even part of the equation there, you know? 
<laughs> it was interesting because on the YouTube live, I have this uh, friend, uh, Jessica, who always gets it wrong in every way. But he was talking about um, Harry and how, like, who does he think he is? Like, with this Meghan Markle, like, they, she just seems annoying. And I was like, do you not understand, like, that he's been under the... Uh, like under scrutiny in such a negative way since he was a child. And like, this was probably the escape for him and in such a way, like, and they blame her for it. But if you look at his life, like they even question who his daddy was. I mean, it wasn't going well. No, <laughs> I don't think we can blame Meghan Markle for his decision. Like that's that's the thing that I have noticed, like over even with Jada Pinkin and Will Smith is like black we're women. always a blaming black women for the demise of or women for the demise of a man. But the focus has been lately on these black women like Jada Pinkett, like Meghan Markle. And I don't think that's well, Jada, an accident. Here's a, here's, no. Well, but here's the difference. Meghan Markle, I don't think, she courts the press a reasonable amount. But, you know, it's it's a business. It's, she's into entertainment. She's an actress. Like, of course, she's going to court the press a bit and do things that will help her career. That, that makes no, no sense to anyone be surprised by that. But also, I don't feel like she's courted the press with, hey, let me just cons consistently slag off the royal family. <laughs> that's not how she's done it. Whereas Jada Pinkett Smith... Uh, it seemed to just be mostly trying to cause Will Smith to take his own life. That's why I really feel. No, I'm serious. Like this. Well, so say I, that the I, book wait, changes I, views. Brina, can I introduce Noe Brown West, the Will Smith uh, professional who oh, knows everything right. about she, him? She does. <laughs> okay, so I have read his book, and I'm going to be getting her book too because his book had all the stuff that Jada's talking about now. They're just recycling it for press so her book sells well. So I don't think she's trying uh, to get him to... Yeah, it's money. It's all about money. Well, there you go. See, there you go. It's the mis misinformation of the media has made it seem like all of these are new revelations that she's already released in her yes. book that are designed to her. And PR is doing that on purpose. That. So in his yeah. book, which was released when? Years ago. Uh, I think it was in 2020 or 2021. He, Willpower, I think that's what it was about. He talked about it. Tupac. He talked about her, like them not being together. Yep. Yeah. He talked about how he cheated and that's what opened up their marriage. And he doesn't say who he cheated with. Everyone thinks it's Margot Robbie. Um, but yeah, that Mark. is what opened their marriage up. And then that's when the, um, aunt, the, oh God, what is his name? Anslane. It's his last name. Like the young friend of their oh, daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, these are just all recycled stories, and well, it's that funny case, that everyone's falling for it. Yeah, that's, that's in, that, in that case, I'm I'm guilty of um, following the the misleading media trail there because yeah, I didn't even know Will Smith had released the book a few years ago, and certainly not revealed those things. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's being lit up because it's easier to light up a black woman than it is, you know, a black man who is that established in Hollywood, and really, you know, they can still make a lot more money off him. They know Jada. You know, what's the cash you're going to make on Jada Pinkett Smith? But the money on Will Smith, he could have like ongoing action adventure series and franchises for the rest of the time, as we've seen with, you know, Harrison Ford. It doesn't matter how old you get as a man. Whereas for a woman, they go, well, Jada's done now. She's at an age where we don't, we can't make use of her anymore. Yeah. It is working too, because people are starting to feel bad for Will. Oh, I do. Yeah, I did. See, it's yeah. working. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It oh, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. 
But he's, yeah. um, I know I know that his behavior at the Oscars was toxic. I mean, I, I realize that that was not the behavior of a... I personally have a rare view of the whole thing. I do think that Will did not do anything different than any man has ever done when anyone talks about their wife. But because it was an Oscar and because he's a black man and because we're so much pressure of how we represent ourselves in the light of Hollywood and because there are layers to <clears throat> their relationships, it became perfect tabloid. And it was also, I think... It's amazing every single time. And I've, I think I should do this. I've done it sort of as a joke, but only as a sentence. Every single time the world's in trouble, they, they throw Jada Pinkett and Will Smith at us. Like, it's like, oh, just, 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 what's Jada and Will doing? <laughs> yeah, look over here. Because I, I, I what? forget Middle what was happening conflict. at the Quick, roll out Jada. Get her on a press yeah, store immediately. That's exactly what happened. There. I mean, <laughs> Um, I mean, but, actually, it does happen in the press that they use, they misdirect our attentions away from more important issues by. Britney Spears is an example, too. Yeah. Every time, Britney, what is she doing? She has knives now. Yeah. Look at her dance. Oh, I think there was another story that came out about a man who got really upset because someone was talking about his wife. And I was like, yeah, this is what men do. But it was strange when Will did Having it. said that, that is not what men should do. Like the way that Will, you were saying that, that Will Smith reacted like most men, blah, blah, blah. Yes, a lot of men have reacted like that. Not most. And also, that isn't how men should react. If someone's talking smack about your wife, don't get me wrong, I understand the desire to want to punch someone in the throat if that's what they're doing. But at the same point, you shouldn't. You should go, you should say, you're a scumbag, you're a piece of shit. Like, stay the fuck away from me. You know, If someone comes to physically attack you, kick him in the throat. But you shouldn't <laughs> get out of your seat, walk up, and slap a man half your size because you know there's not going to be any reaction. You know what I mean? At least yeah. from that man. He knew Chris Rock. Chris Rock, no one's fucking with Chris Rock. Like, I've met Chris Rock. You've met Chris Rock. We've all met Chris Rock down at the cellar. He's a small man. Like, what kind of, what kind of, like, physically in stature? It's a really, it was a real, for a big dude like Will, it was a real, I thought that was a bitch move. That was the point. If, if fucking, I don't know. That's a good point. But well, however. <laughs> however, it was very funny on Twitter. And Marlon Wayans made a great special out of it. Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. I was like, you finally. Okay, let, let's move on to the um, Gen Z prefers less sexual content in TV shows and movies. I find this fascinating. Mm -hmm. The study finds makes, this, sense. according to a new study by the University of California, where you, you're in Los Angeles, Center uh -huh. for Scholars and Storytellers, over half of the 15 hundred participants between the ages of 10 and 24 expressed a greater preference for relatable narratives that prioritize get this it's a friends like us podcast friendships and platonic relationships over emphasis on romance so 56 percent of gen z believe that more people in their social circles prefer to be unattached with 44% of those saying they would rather clean the toilet than go on another online date. I understand that. I saw this shift happening because of online dating. And now you see there's uh, more specialized online dating websites um, that are more like, oh, date someone with similar goals as you, date mm. someone with a similar, similar career as you. I just saw that with um, adverts. I yeah, there's a lot of those. You be like J-Day, 
and men, uh, people in uniform, date in uniform, and now it's yeah. very specific. It's like date people who are also trying to get to one million in savings and you know, yeah, basically at the end of year three, which is not romance. And <laughs> not, I think there's it's the important facet. Yeah. This is the problem is you need both things for a good relationship. You need the love, you need the romance, you need the lust, you need the desire. But then also, if you're going to be with someone for the rest of your life, you do need a partnership, and it is a business partnership in a lot of ways. And I think that people are missing out on that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, COVID. Gen Z don't know how to engage with each other anymore because, of course, they're not into sex. They don't even know. They're not even into talking. It makes sense. Like the struggle to connect with another human being has become so real for them. I'm sure they are um, becoming asexual and, and not really wanting it. Plus, none of them are sexy. Have you seen how they're dressing? Um, <laughs> late nineties, early two thousands. That's the fashion again. Really? Come on. I like the late nineties. <laughs> Jinko like oh crop tops and oh my, my niece awful. when i saw her dressing like janet jackson i was like oh that's so cool <laughs> I, don't know, I think they all look stupid it's just fun <laughs> friend, it? some of them look cool i borrowed some like even what i'm wearing right now you guys can't tell it's like a very gen z shirt it's like so long and so big it's basically um what is his name? He like invented it. He's the rapper that invented everything. Soldier Boy. It's like a Soldier Boy <laughs> shirt, but like it has a bat wing, so it's a little bit modern. I don't know. It's great. Someone was Soldier Boy <laughs> for Halloween. Oh, I saw that. Oh, that was um. He right. He's on SNL. Oh, yeah, he did Soldier Boy. I was yeah. like, who's doing Soldier Boy for Halloween? I like the Why? idea that it was Pete Davidson, and he just put threw on some blackface and did Soldier Boy for prison because that would be. <laughs> That'd be that'd be the end of that would be Pete's career after after such a successful meteoric rise and dating well, every time. He can run for president of uh, Canada. However, Pete <laughs> Davidson has always been for most black people who are listening to this, and they know what I mean. We've always looked at Pete Davidson like you got some black in you somewhere. Yeah, there's something. I'm trying to put that. in. He's not all way. white, except he uh, is. Is he? <laughs> except he oh, no. is. It's funny. I need to. He needs to go on that show. Um, the one about what? Is, what is he it? He can't go and find out that his dad's not really his dad because that would be <sighs> the downfall of one of the linchpins of his career. No. Oh my god! He's like, all right, my dad probably is a black dude, but you know, the hero is the one I got to talk about. <laughs> in the yeah, like, you can't. It I can't take change back the that. joke to. All right, this black dude fucked my mum once at a club, a dancehall <laughs> club in '83. <laughs> And now I'm here. You can't do that. You know, he's got that. Now, this I love about this quote is in the study, 51.5% said they want to see more content on friendships and platonic relationships, while 44.3% found romance and media is overused. About 39% wish to see more representations of aromantic. <laughs> what is that? Aromantic? Let me Google that. Quite arom aromatic, but it's you yeah, can smell the sex. So you don't really do the sex. You just smell the the stank after it's happened. Ew. Mm, that's an aromantic musk. Oh. I'm, I'm making this up, by the way, but it sounds... It be, <laughs> I know, but it's brilliant. Right. Look, okay, I, I've never said brilliant, but I now that you're here, I'm saying it all the time. It's brilliant. Experiencing little or no romantic attraction to anyone not having romantic so it's being it's being asexual i guess it's a whole generation of people just like we don't need to you know what this is it's this is conditioning it's conditioning bro they don't want us populating the world they don't want us like having babies they don't want us connecting they need some more of us to die 
we've just had the big cleansing with the genocide, you know. We uh, sorry with the with the with the with the COVID. We've had a, a bunch of people eradicated, mostly people of color, mostly poverty stricken communities. Then and a lot of mentally ill too. That absolutely you know, a lot of homeless community the, can't yeah. receive that. Exactly, thin out the numbers. Now they've gen- t- taught an entire generation not to trust each other or be able to speak to one another, and certainly not be able to fuck each other. There's going to be another generation of people with dispensable income who will just give that money to the government instead of like building a future or investing in families and communities. It's 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 cyclical, man. It happens every eighty years. We repeat even even less because we were. I was on this podcast with you maybe like three years ago talking about incels. Oh really? <laughs> oh yes. You know, so it's like even less. The cycle's just getting shorter. Oh no, no. I mean, I mean, there's literal throughout patterns of history. If you look at you can study all the way back through theological texts. So you can go that far back, but every twenty years, there's like twenty years of staunch uh, conservatism, and and actually during that, towards the end of it, there's a lot of affluence for people considered affluence, mostly because it comes off the back of a recession, which we're going to have next year. By the way, be prepared for that. We're already in ours. <laughs> I think we're still doing a soft landing. No, no, no. We're going to have. There's going to be a big recession next year, hundred percent. And even bigger one. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. And if you're trying to buy property, save it until next year, next summer. Marina, I don't know. Wait, I'm gonna have to do what you want to do. <laughs> no, 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 no! Don't buy property. It's do, it's just not. Yeah, give the it, give it like, give high. it half. Give it six months at least. But I'm gonna have to move into the woods. I don't know what I'm gonna do. It's 2020, <laughs> 2020. There's a period of like liberalism and art and and spirituality, and then there's like 20 years of conflict. It, we're basically we're at the end of our. We're halfway through our staunch conservative and conflict bit. What will happen though is there'll be major conflict. Oh wait, look what's happening in the Middle East. Interesting, and isn't it almost like that fire is being stoked and fueled by most major governments around the world? Uh, and then there will be um, a period of rebirth and regrowth where we all think that we're super tapped into one another and we're all loving. And then there'll be twenty years of like mundane over consumption, and then we go back into staunch Republican, you know, uh, conservatism, and it's. It just it just Which, repeats. It's repeated for hundreds of years. That cycle, eighty years. You see how much better their education is over in the UK. You no, see it's how got nothing just, to do with that. This is all school education. Throw that term out there. That's that whole. I don't even know this stuff. I'm like, really? No, but <laughs> this is the thing. I didn't know this stuff until a few years like, ago. What like, book? What did you read? You, a multitude of books, and also yeah, you have I to look across the board. He's not wrong. You have to look like <laughs> macro level as well. I mean, look, even what's going on the destabilization of the of of, of America. You can see that was written out by uh, a Russian um, philosopher and uh, tactician. Uh, what's the name of the book? Um, oh, goodness. Uh, uh, geopolitics. Um, what is it? Thingy Geopolitics. Oh, my goodness. And I've read it. Well, while you're finding that book, Trump leads in five critical states as voters blast Biden, says the Times. The New York Times just put this out. It's a Siena poll finds this. Now, This is the last quote I wanted to read, just so you all feel better about this, if you want to. An overwhelming, um, Mr. Biden, by the way, has survived poor showings in polls before. In fact, in October of 2022, in the run-up to the midterm elections, the president's job approval rating was nearly the same as it is now. His party still managed to lose fewer seats than expected in the House and gained one seat in the Senate, in part by painting Republican candidates as extremists. However, we have a war that's going on, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if that still holds because a lot of people are upset with 
Joe Biden about this war and as we were talking about genocide. Um, my question to you both, without getting into the Middle East, because I can't, I don't, I try not to talk about. Yeah, what I don't no, know. I agree. I don't. I don't post. I don't talk. It about doesn't what I don't serve know. anyone in the entertainment industry to have an opinion either way. Anyway, really no. at this point, one it, of the I things think- I will say, and this is the only thing I'll say, is I reached out to all of my friends who are affected by this war personally on a personal level. Yeah, I didn't go to post because I know that there are is very. Uh, I have Muslim friends and I have Jewish friends, and everyone's mm. hurting right now. And I think. If you are listening to this, the most, the best thing you can do right now is to reach out to your friends and let them know that you care and that you are there for them on a personal level. Ask them if their family's okay. That's, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And my friend said to me, um, one of my close friends said to me, thank you so much. And it was immediately after the first strike happened, you know, she said to me, I haven't heard from anyone. And that's not, you know, Jewish, let's just say. And she said, and the fact that you reached out to me means so much because it has been quiet and it's affecting me. So, and I reached out to my friend who is Muslim, same thing, same Mm -hmm. response. So that's all I'm going to say there. But I will say with Joe Biden and the fact that he's older and about this ageism thing, is it worse than ageism? Is it worse than ever because of Joe Biden? Like, I, I feel like it, and it maybe I, I because like, I'm older. I think it's the, I think America is frustrated because we just see that there's a lack of, you know, young and youthful leadership. And other countries seem to have found like a balance, right? Um, but why are, I, I do agree that we don't need to have representatives past a certain age. Well, you just brought up a good point. The yeah. UK had the Queen of England. She was... How old was she? But she wasn't she, really running the country. Not. Parliament was. Yeah, she you know? doesn't really. She's, she's just a figurehead. Yeah, she's a figurehead. Yes, she did a lot of uh, fuck shit when she was younger. Um, but, they, you know, she lost more and more powers during her career as a figurehead. Thank God, honestly. Well, but um, that, we know, that we know of. Oh, that we know of. That's true. You know? But um, I don't know. It's just it's hard seeing that 80 year olds are the only option, you know, people, people in their late seventies are the only option. Because you know who goes out and votes old people. That's who votes mostly. And that's why uh, as soon as a younger generation get more and more serious and uh, dedicated to actually understanding like, first of all, it doesn't really matter who's president. It's, it's, the, no. same, it's the same shit. It's, it's the same lobbyists. Yeah. It's the same deals being cut. It's just under a slightly different presentation, but really it doesn't make too much of a difference. What does matter in a deep I'll tell you way, what does make a difference, local though. governance, your your local city councillors, your who's in charge of education, your city, who's in charge of funding for that's hospitals, right. who's in that's who's it. in charge, and that's where How if kids gave them ever, I just gotta just kind of like go back on you on that only because I'm personally affected by the fact that Joe Biden is president because he made it so easy for me to decrease my loan. Like I have student loans, and because they tried. To, he tried to cancel student loans for people like 10,000 in debt. That was something that's never happened that I was like, I please help me. You know, you have like 90 year old women dying with student loans. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. So like they said, no, right. Congress said no, but then he did the save thing and now I'm not paying. And 
that's because of Biden. That's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not sorry. I so, apologize. And every no, and no, that's, that's just, I, wait, yeah. let me just finish this point. Yeah. Only The only reason I say that is because I think unless you are personally affected, do you know what he has actually done? And a lot of times we don't, we're not paying attention to what he's actually done. And I, and I, and I think like infrastructure, for example, the second Avenue train line was held back because of the former president, Trump. You know, he screwed New York City and that train line, that infrastructure affects minorities, affects black individuals in Harlem. And Joe Biden is the one who's like, let's get this done again. And we have a governor, obviously. And like you were mm -hmm. saying, Jeff, absolutely local. But anyway, continue what you were saying, yeah. Jeff. Well, I, I mean, right. every president will do well, not every, but most presidents will do like some stuff that is good. But then, like, we'll perpetuate stuff that is also not very good. And yeah, I did know that Biden has gotten a lot done. But who's to say that wasn't just the Democratic plan in general to get in there and do those things? Because no matter, I feel like no matter who won against Trump, those things would have. Or who's to they specifically say, ever who's focused to say on student loans? Even just limited to the different parties. I think there's a list. Both these parties have a little list. I, they're, they're, it's puppet, they're puppets. I'm sorry. And I agree with what you're saying. Yes, there is impact. That has an impact on you very personally and very directly. So that will go, all right, well, that's important. It's chemical stuff too. Absolutely. Yeah. But here's the deal. What I'm saying is there's a list of things that whether you're Democratic or Republican, you're sitting there going, well, we can get all these things through. That's how we, These are the things we can do to get ourselves the likability points over the course of our four years, you know, but here's the stuff that we actually have to get through for the lobbyists who are paying us money and who, you know, who funded us even getting into power. And those decisions are made by the same people, by these corporations, these Black Rocks, these vanguards. Like, it's not made by the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. It's, it's, it's just not. It's just well, they not. have different lobbyists, you know, and some of their lobbyists are good. Like, to give an example, I was talking about earlier, my sister, uh, she worked for EDF, the Environmental Defense Fund. And they wrote a lot of policy that would take harmful chemicals off the shelves at supermarkets. And as soon as Trump got in, he did away with all those. <laughs> and then when Biden got elected, they came back. Mm. So it's like there are certain things. And, and of course, EDF, they wouldn't call themselves lobbyists, but they are. They're just lobbyists for good. Um, <laughs> sorry, EDF, if any of you are listening. But, <laughs> but they do have different lobbyists and like you know, depending on what you care about um, of the for the greater good, there are Almost. one party is a little bit better than the other. I, I sorry. No, go ahead. I just feel I, like I, I hear what you're saying and I, I'm not denying what you're saying to not be true at that level. I just think that's still a micro level. We, we think of governance as the top. We think of the financial industry as the big, Top. We think of these huge pharmaceutical companies as the top. They're not. It's I. It's I. Just really think it's controlled at a much more macro level. When you start looking at theological texts from thousands of years ago, across the board, and I'm talking, you know, you have to pick up the Torah and the Quran and the Bible. You have to read all of them. You have to really study what they mean. And look at historical texts that come from you know thousands and thousands of years ago. It's the same people. It's you had to be at the inception of that greed and of that corporate structure to, to truly own it. And what I'm saying is there are organizations that far supersede 
any of these lobbyists. I just think that's all, it's all puppet theater. It's like, they don't care if the world is more right-wing or more left-wing for the next four years to eight years. No one cares. They don't, they, oh, sorry, those people don't care. It doesn't those make people. a difference. Yeah. You'll still keep, they just want you to keep fueling the fucking machine. Continue to destroy any kind of sense of a middle class. There is no middle class. People who think no. they're wealthy, millionaires think they're wealthy. <laughs> ridiculous. It's a ridiculous <laughs> concept. It's a ridiculous concept. You're not, you're, maybe when you're a billionaire, maybe you have enough personal wealth to protect yourself. That's what I'm saying. I think it's even above that. So, yes, there's different lobbyists, but it's all part of the same puppet theater. That is, and that's where we need to start looking. If we start looking at that macro level above that, that's when I hope black people, white people, uh, Asian people, brown-skinned people, native people, indigenous people, gay people, straight people, old people, young people, right-wing people and left-wing people can all start going, we're all getting fucked. This is yeah. Morgan. Yeah. We're all being fucked. We're all the same. Just because that guy can't, doesn't have shoes on his feet and is smoking crack in a corner and is crazy and shouting at the world. And I think I'm, I've made it because I've got a little house that I'm going to probably lose when I die because my kids won't be able to pay the inheritance tax uh, because they're, you know, one's a fucking, you know, uh, a, a, an esports broadcaster and the other one is trying to work out what they're doing and is going to live on rent for the rest of their life. Like, it's, we're all. We're all slaves. It's just certain groups have been very much uh, existing within the scope of what we understand slavery to be, you know, in a very real sense. Black people know that more than anyone. And then you've got... Um, but, but there's a different form of slavery, I think, and that we're all, we're all under. And it's, it's slavery of the mind that we... That, that well, I guess it's kind of going back to what you said earlier with like ha how I see things as a black woman. I am terrified, though. I, I hear you, but I think in immediate terms, what I'm seeing right now, especially from the financial sector and from like, like the earn your leisure guys who I watch, they talk about stock market and financial advice all the time. And they recently posted this statistic about Trump leading in the polls in these battleground states. And it was, and here it says, uh, a lot of the comments by black individuals was in support of Trump. Mm. And um, it is saying registering, they're registering 22% support in these states mm -hmm. for Mr. Trump, a level unseen in presidential politics for a Republican in modern terms. And I think, I'm like, did we forget like how he filled the court uh what mm -hmm. just happened to affirmative action mm -hmm. what's happening to the banning of books what's happening to women's rights like i don't i mean, voters rights voters rights voter suppression man mandering I, I i gerrymandering i just don't understand how we're what are we like rip fan like what are we falling asleep and forgetting like that he advised everyone to no, drink to, no most of this country doesn't they don't care we've been conditioned to not care about our neighbor in any way shape or form now, that's not true of all people i imagine all three of us on this podcast do care about our local communities other people etc but most people are being taught the world is so hard it's so egregious it's so dramatic everything's falling apart you're going to die at any moment you know, the water's going to kill you your food's going to kill you the government's going to kill you outside forces going to kill you now aliens are going to kill you <laughs> we are literally at a point where it's pushed people to go, I don't care about the people. I just need to get through my little situation as best as I can. And I also wanted to, 
highlight. I realized my little rant before about, ah, it's all the same and blah, blah, blah. I know it doesn't, we, we are not affected the same by it. I know that is a very white male privileged position to be in. I right, it. that's why I was I, like, let's go. No, no, no I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, sorry. I, I want to make sure I don't get called a fucking, you know, a <laughs> white boy by your listeners. Because, because no, because I, I, I realized my wording can be, can be guilty of seeming that way. The point I'm making is that there needs to be some global conscious. The only way to beat it is to have a global conscious where we all just decide overnight, right, we've all got situations. Some of us are much more worse off than others. The only way to really tackle this is for us to understand that there is a level above that that is controlling everything. When we hold that accountable en masse, unified, we have a chance to survive as humanity. That won't happen. It will not happen. We've been too far conditioned now. So yeah, you probably are better off worrying about your own personal situation, how best you can affect that for the positive. If that, uh, you know, I would absolutely vote for Biden if I, if it, the choices are Biden or Trump. We course. don't have choices. That's the other thing. Yeah, I we don't like, have choices. I was like going to say is like people are acting acting like they have options. Nope. We don't. We don't have Crazy. another. Yeah. Uh, the other option is extreme. Well, the only now, good thing is move- that on the oh. Republican side there is another option, which is Ron DeSantis, and he will split some of the votes. So Trump will lose some places because of uh, the the love yeah. for DeSantis amongst certain states, which will benefit the Democrats. We think that's a bad position. Trump's polling well in a few states. So what? So is DeSantis. And DeSantis will not win. He's too much of a fucking neo-Nazi. I thought it was the woman, though. Oh, uh, what was it? Gillibrand? No. Gillibrand is doing much better than DeSantis. Great. Even better. The more yeah. Republicans who can split that vote and split their, mm-hmm. the, the support, the better. Isn't it shocking that he's still able to be on the ticket, even though he's supposed to be in jail? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there, the uh, we could go uh, anyway. I want to move on to. By the way, that record- book is called "The Foundations of Geopolitics: The Geopolitical Future of Russia" is by Alexander Dugin, and it's a really good read because it has a whole section where they talk about how to destabilize America, and all of it has happened over the last fifty years. To a thank you. And just so you know, TB, who is backstage watching us, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that we have we have our subscribers. Sometimes they hop on and TB is always here. Thank you, TB, so much. He says, definitely no choice, Biden or fascism. Yeah. Now, I want to move on to what we can get away with. And, and this is what I do because I'm a gamer. And uh, this is why I love you, Jeff, because I know you're a gamer. I'm not at your level ever. I've tried. I tried to play with you years ago, but I didn't even have my my... PSP set, I, PS, uh, my PlayStation set up properly. You don't even know what a, console you're playing on. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, well, I, 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 the PlayStation, I know. But the PlayStation is, I'm more of a gamer on the PC side. I have Fine. a great TV. I should play it on it. But I, for some reason, visually, for me, I like a mouse. I like a keyboard. And have you seen my nerdy, my, how nerdy and ridiculous this setup is? Let's there's see my, it. There's my, that's that's my a- streaming PC. Wow. My gaming PC. Wow. The dual monitors. You've got all the bits and bobs. All the, yeah. I like, I'm going. I go in. I'm You know what? You're right. You are so smart to have your gaming PC separated from your streaming. I don't. And that may be why I have issues at times. Yeah, because you get audio issues all the time. Yeah, because this is a thing. Like they were showing this article that my young, thank you, Ari, put in Call of Duty can now take up over 200 gigabytes of space, but it's complicated. What? By Verge. Jess Weatherbeds wrote, um, players with early access 
to the game's single-player campaign found that the total file size for Call of Duty at installation, which includes Modern Warfare 2 campaign, Warzone, and Call of Duty HQ, comes in at 234.9 gigabytes on PlayStation 5 Ridiculous. and 172 gigabytes on the PC. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the worst optimized franchises in history, Call of Duty. It's just a really yeah. terribly poorly optimized game. It's um that it's it's so full of bugs. They uh, put so much um kind of monetizable content into it as well, and they just throw that stuff in. So they're constantly having to throw in fixes and patches to update it all the time. But it's just a poorly optimized game. That's why it runs so poorly. That's why you have to have the latest equipment to even get half of the the you know proper running speed of the game. It's 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 pretty shit. Which is why I was going to follow up with a question. Well, more of a statement was, doesn't this leave kids who are in poor neighborhoods who can't afford this game out of playing the game? Yeah. Or it puts even more pressure on those parents to buy a console that can handle it. Um, that, you know, puts them out of pocket a few hundred dollars. I don't have like the newest console. I have my newest console is my switch. But um, so for Xbox, if Xbox and PS5, are they a terabyte now? Is that like normal for them to be a terabyte? Yeah, I think you can buy different terabyte? ones. No, they might be more than that, probably two terabyte, I think. So, uh, on, the, on the standard one, though, also bear in mind a lot of it you can store on cloud now. They sell cloud services for all of these. Oh. So you go, I've got this game, but it's kind of broadcasting from through an online server where it's hosted at the other end by Xbox or PlayStation. Um, now, you used to be a voice for Ghost. In Call of Duty, yeah. And Call of Duty, I didn't want to ask you this, but is it okay to ask, like, what happened? There you go. P PlayStation 5 comes with one terabyte of storage, which is 800 oh. gig is actually available for storing games. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, what was the question about my time with what, Call of what Duty? Happened, what happened with Activision? Oh, God. You don't have to. It's just, it's just can, like a thing that's that like so many years old. Yeah, I'll talk about it briefly. Um, I became a part of the game. I was playing an iconic character. The game, they pay you very poorly for that. Um, so I got maybe seven grand of money out of being, you know, this iconic character whose skin probably sold about $250 million worth of skins in the first week alone. It's, uh, or maybe more. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I went off and I streamed the game. I broadcast it. I was esports um, commentating. I was doing charity events. So I basically became really synonymous with the character outside of my work in the booth. Or on the soundstage. Um, Activision didn't really like that. We ended up actually splitting ways um, months before any drama. The drama came because a content creator that I played with a bit who was trolling my content, I told him to leave me alone, leave my comp community alone. He wouldn't. I dug into his personal business, found out that he was charity scamming people, saying that he was raising money for an autism charity, which in fact was just his own personal bank account, which goes to an offshore account in Poland, actually. So I exposed all of this. His retaliation was to pay his staff members, female staff members, to come and troll me every day on my content. Tell me, why don't you try killing yourself again? Uh, I, wish your I wish your suicide has succeeded. Blah, 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 blah. Stuff like that. Um, after about two months of that, I responded and called one of them a cunt because they were, in fact, being a cunt. And... They clipped that. They took it out of context. They put it on a fake podcast with his staff members going, there's too much sexism in gaming, and Jeff Leach is the most egregious member of this. 
and uh, oh, wow. and then they paid ten grand to a blogging website called Muckruck to a bunch of different blogging sites to run the story. As they did that on a Friday morning, so that it would be printed on a on a Friday, so then uh, there'd be no chance to respond until the end of the weekend. They then contacted Activision and uh, the PR company that he hired and said, "All these stories are being run about your actor Jeff Leach. Do you want to give a statement?" Activision released a short two-line statement saying, we are no longer working with Je- actor Jeff Leach. We do not stand by any sexist or misogynist remarks. So they gave fuel to a story that would not have done anything if they hadn't given a quote. Even though we weren't working together and we had split ways three months prior for completely unrelated issues, me being too involved, basically, d- doing too much in the game. Um, mm. And then, uh, then the stories ran... And then it didn't matter that I, you know, hired a lawyer and issued cease and desist and gave all the information to show what the trail of events that led to this situation. Um, most of the most of the articles, uh, most of the articles were removed, but a few of them stayed up because unless you threaten them with actually suing them, they're not going to remove it. I don't care. Um, and that was it. So yeah, so it still affects my career to this day. Uh, on it does. certain jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lost the video game recently because their HR department Googles my name and goes, oh, there's this. So can you get it removed? Yeah, like I mean, legally? I'm working on it. It takes time. Oh, you just okay. need a new news cycle to wipe the old stuff away, really. But yeah, it's problematic. But it also, I get it. And then we found out why Activision gave a statement, which they had no reason to do. They weren't working with me for months prior. So they had complete, uh, you know, we don't work with them anyway. Like this is none of our business. The reason they gave that statement is because two months later, it all came out in the press that Activision were being sued at a federal level by multiple entities and multiple states for rampant misogyny and sexism in their workplace. Mm. So to cover their, they needed some good press to precede the bad press. Look at us. We take a stand against sexism and misogyny. Oh, it's never like they actually care. Nah, nah, nah. Scumbags. Bear in mind, their CEO, Bobby Cottage, who... um, it won't be ousted when they do the changeover. Microsoft takes over. Everyone thought that's what was going to happen. He's going to get his paycheck and go and set up something else, another AAA studio, whatever. Or he might even stay on there on the board of directors. Bobby Cottage is a man whose name was in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book mm. for the island. You know, the trail. These are the people. Of- yeah, these are the people you're dealing with. So, so yeah. So from my point of view, good riddance to bad rubbish. Uh, if anyone's stupid enough not to do their fucking due diligence and research enough, look at these articles and see what really is going on. I don't want to work with them anyway. They're a bunch of morons. And it also, uh, fuck it. It doesn't matter. It's just some video games. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing <laughs> it really, the trail the that, that comes from just being a voice on on a uh, video game or any situation with no, video games. No, it's because games. I played you, the game. You, it's because I played it. Yeah. It's because I played the game. There was a girl involved as well, a content creator that I used to uh, be friends with on Twitch, which we stopped being friends when she propositioned me at a a gaming event, PAX East in Boston. Um, And I turned her down. I said, I don't want to go to a hotel room with you and have sex. So PAX East. Yeah. And she got got super drunk and then cussed me out in front of a bunch of people, insulted a bunch of women. And then that all like backfired on her because these girls called her out. And so this girl also was involved in that whole story. She went, yes, he's a sexist, blah, 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 because, you know. And this is also the same person. I got clips, videos of this person using uh, uh, homophobic slurs on her stream multiple times. And then she now identifies as gender non-binary because that protects her from being guilty of being homophobic. You know, it's, it's, these are not good people. These are very vindictive. The cancellation. 
society is it really is often yeah, cancelable. I get it. And you know You know what? Here's here's what came out of that. And I'll say that you, I, I can't change an evil entity that is concerned with greed and money. I can't change a piece of shit CEO. I can't change uh, their PR department trying to, you know, get some good news before they have to deliver all the bad news about their company. I can't change this woman being so insidious that she literally spends her entire career trying to destroy other people. I'm not the only person on the receiving end of that person. I can't change this criminal uh, gamer who has now been found out to be cheating for the last few years on Call of Duty as well. He's destroyed his own career. I can't change his charity scamming behavior. All I can take from that experience, the whole experience is where did I fuck up? But I fucked up by responding to trolls. I need to understand that they mean nothing. They are just haters. They're just people who have nothing better in their life. So ignore that forever, which I now can do. I also learned that it doesn't matter. What I thought was the end of the world a few years ago when this all happened, I was like, what? How am I being categorized as sexist? I fucking, I was shaped by women. This is ridiculous. This is like, so I realized you don't need to swear. What's news today doesn't matter tomorrow. And... Also, what does it affect? Right. Video games. There's going to be a million more video games made. Don't worry. I'll make some myself eventually. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you have that new look on it. And also, just so you know, it just came out as a story this week about the CEO of HBO admits to using fake accounts to troll critics. Uh, Casey Boys, who I met years ago while I was working on a show. And, um, well, I didn't meet him, but he was in the room. But I just <laughs> found that so interesting is like, there's so many, there's this reveals how much social media isn't real and how they will go to such lengths to make things look like you can pay for anything. This. It costs no money to destroy someone's career. I could destroy you in a week, Marina. Oh, do it. <laughs> do it, baby. Do oh, it. Now, I we do Korea. have to... I was not... <laughs> <laughs> now, we do have to get out, and I... You know what? I am so happy for you, Jeff, and I... I think like everything is wonderful. I've seen the transition. I've seen you from the beginning, you being in New York and where you are now. And I think you're in a very good place. And I'm excited for everyone to watch your special. I appreciate you. Thank so, you so much. Um, very kind of you. And thank you for supporting thank it. Thank you for being one of the, uh, one of the comedians who actually, uh, you know, made good on their promise of support. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, absolutely. So I thank you both so much for joining me today. We do have to leave it there. Noye, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me at noyecomedy.com, N-O-N-Y-E comedy.com. I'm Noni Fizzle on Instagram and TikTok, although I don't, I don't post TikToks. I don't know why I even say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because you feel like you have to, because that's the world we live, right? Isn't I've it? been conditioned to say that. Um, and then also I'm on Twitter still. But I don't post anything really on there either at, at that no yay. Um, I'm going to be at the Beacon um, on the 18th. So you can check me out there. What's doing some storytelling. Oh, not that, not that Beacon. But you can find it, <laughs> you can find it on, my, on my website. <laughs> doing some storytelling. It's going to be fun. Um, and with friends like us, you can always have your support. <laughs> Thank you, Noye. Of course. Jeff, 
Where can our listeners find you? Um, listeners can find me. I guess right now I'd like people to go and watch The Spectacular. So it's called Jeff Leach Presents Comedy Spectacular. It's on youtube.com slash Jeff Leach TV. But if you just search Jeff Leach Comedy Special, it'll come up. Um, I'm going to be in Vegas uh, in January from the 1st to 7th doing two shows a night at the Comedy Cellar. So if you're going to be traveling out there, make sure you get out for that. I'll be, uh, I don't know when this goes out, but on the 8th of November, I'll be at uh, uh, the Hollywood Improv doing a show there. Um, and then also uh, at Jeff Leach on all social media on all the on all the platforms uh, and with friends like this friends like friends me, like us friends, friends like, like us, us with friends like us you have an opportunity to take full accountability of your own identity and to inv- elevate it ongoing wonderful brilliant thanks Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, you can have uh, friends that come on that you have seen grow. And it just makes you feel proud of what you're doing. That's what, yeah, that that's good enough. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs>